This is Ira Glass of This American Life, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Dave Landau. No, and I think people like Cleveland and, you know, everything, like, they kind of just, and Philly and everything, and Detroit, and they kind of crap on the whole rock belt. And I think that that's some of the most real people in the country. I think that it's real families from real manufacturing towns, and kind of what America once was, and, I, and, and you know, and still is, but only in those places. Had a couple of interviews in the can, decided to go with Dave because he's from Detroit. Uh, we discussed that a little bit. He's a big Tigers fan. Uh, as of this recording, last night, uh, the Indians broke the American League record for consecutive wins by beating the Detroit Tigers. I felt badly for the Tigers, but I felt great for the Indians. And uh, I'm also recording this early, uh, what I call the wraparound footage, uh, because we're off to Cleveland to see the Indians and also to see Adam Ant. So uh, it's going to be a big, big weekend for us up in Cleveland. Uh, and so I'm putting the show together early. Uh, to that end, we're going to have the Song of the Week from London Grammar at the end of the show. It's a tune I think you're going to enjoy. And then the dumb bit is a repeat. It's probably my second favorite dumb bit ever. My first favorite would obviously still be uh, Newsbusters shaming a stay-at-home mom uh, who married her high school sweetheart, by the way. And stayed married to him and had four kids with him. But uh, look that one up. And then uh, this is probably my second favorite. It involves uh, a gentleman uh, named John Coleman who co-founded the Weather Channel. Uh, people have been posting interviews with him on social media recently in the days following the events in Florida and Texas with the two hurricanes we had, Harvey uh, and Irma. And people uh, are posting this because he, of course, is a global warming skeptic or climate change skeptic, however you want to put it. And uh, I looked into some of his claims a couple of years ago, and it is still relevant today. So enjoy. A big story in conservative media this week was the debunking of global warming by Weather Channel co-founder John Coleman. Well, debunking is a strong word. If you go to the website of the American Prosperity Network, if you already know where that's going to lead, uh, they show an interview with him apparently from a, a TV station, I believe it is in Tampa, and uh, they do a Skype interview with uh, with John Coleman. And, uh, of course, now he is a meteorologist. He has studied weather, so I, you, I guess you could say he's a climatologist. So I, I would believe him, if, if, he is, if he's skeptical about it, then fine, if he's looked at the data and looked at the research. But I don't think he has. He comes up with all these, like, nonsense points, one of which is, uh, I couldn't find the exact clip here in this thing. It's a 22-minute piece, and I didn't have time to go through all of it. But he points out that Antarctic sea ice is close to an all-time high, and the polar bear population is as high as it's been in recorded history. Well, here's the problem with the polar bear thing. Uh, climate change is not the biggest threat to polar bears. The biggest threat to polar bears has been hunting. And the reason the polar bear population is going back up is because the U.S., Russia, Canada, and I want to say Japan have all signed a treaty that they're not going to hunt polar bears anymore. And that's why polar bear populations are going up. As far as the uh, Antarctic ice thing, uh, there's a difference between the ice on the land of Antarctica, on the landmass, which is shrinking rapidly, and then the sea ice around Antarctica, which is growing, which is, this is several complicated factors involved in that. Okay, that's, that's number one. Okay, uh, then he comes up with this nonsensical uh, statement about why the, so many scientists say that global warming is real. See me bumping my fingers? It's like a guy rubbing 
<laughs> it has become the money. That's what it's all about, the money. $4.7 billion a year of U.S. taxpayer money, yours and mine, is going to global warming research. Okay, well, first of all, according to the Scientific American, uh, about a billion dollars has been put up by uh, anti-climate change skeptics. It doesn't make any sense, anti-climate. It's been put up by climate change skeptics. I was a double negative there, sorry. Uh, and I, if his, I couldn't verify his number, but I'll go with his $4 billion. So yeah, that's it's four times more. That's fine, okay. But still, seems to be a lot of money in, in climate change denying, uh, as I see it, uh, particularly from the Koch brothers and from other secret money funds. And Scientific American did this whole thing where uh, Exxon and other people that have traditionally funded uh, climate denying, uh, now the, their donations have gone down, but suddenly uh, money from these uh, dark third-party organizations has gone up mysteriously. Hmm. And what do I always say? Uh, global warming is a conspiracy started by scientists who want to be rich and famous, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye, and I could go on and on if there were any more scientists who were rich and famous. Okay, so then uh, there's the real gem here, though. Uh, apparently there's some kind of... Well, I'll let you tell. I'll let, uh, I'll let him tell you. And we have 9,000 PhDs in meteorology and science who have signed a petition saying the CO2 global warming thing's nonsense. We have 31,000 scientists in general, people like me, meteorologists, climatologists, who say global warming is nonsense. So I looked up this petition, and uh, conveniently they list everybody who has signed it, uh, all 31,000 or whatever it is. It's called the Global Warming Edition Project. You can look it up online as well. Just go to your favorite search engine. And I just went through this. It's listed alphabetically. I just went through the first couple of names here and Googled them. And here's what I found out. So my list starts off okay. We have, uh, let's see here, uh, Dr. Paul Bradley Otis, Ph.D., University of Minnesota. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. But he's a biologist. Hmm. And uh, he's does a lot of research in biology, but not in climatology. So I'm a little skeptical there, if you will. Uh, kind of like asking Al Roker, hey, Al, uh, what do I do? Uh, my, my ficus doesn't seem to be perking up very well, even though I water it every day. What do you reckon? Uh, let me see. Next guy, Dale Alexander. Uh, he <laughs> has a has had a clinical massage therapy practice in Key West, Florida for 26 years. Oh, so a masseuse is a climate expert. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. This guy has tons and tons of degrees, but it's all for like clinical massage and things like that. So he is a real doctor, but it, he's not a climate specialist. You wouldn't go down to the, the, the tanning salon and say, this global warming thing, what do you reckon? And, and expect to get an expert opinion, I don't think. Uh, let's see. Earl M. Agard. PhD, biology, also a huge anti-abortion guy. Again, not mad at those folks. I totally get the point. But but again, not, not his area of expertise. Here's a good one. Dr. Mumatz Ahmed Salik. Uh, Dr. Mumad Ahmed Salik, it says from uh, the uh, university website he works for, served in University of Punjab for 32 years in the Department of Islamic Studies. He earned his PhD in 2002. His field of specialization is Islam, modern thought, and problems. Well, hey, any port in a storm, right? <clears throat> And then there's Dr. Leonard Coldwell, who is not, in fact, a doctor, though he has claimed to have cured cancer. Apparently, he's some kind of a scammer uh, who escaped Germany. And he's kind of like, I guess, a, a really rogue version of uh, Dr. Oz uh, and has just done uh, allegedly some really awful stuff. Uh, but again, not a doctor, not a climate scientist. So just let me say that when it comes to uh, global warming skepticism, I'm a little skeptical. Dave Lando is a comedian from Detroit, Michigan. 
And he still lives in the Detroit area and headlines clubs all over the country. He's got a lot of other projects he's working on as well. We will find out more about those as we talk to comedian Dave Landau. Good. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's been a while since we spoke. Um, I know you had just. I think you had just uh, gotten the king completed and were um, fin- putting the finishing touches on that. So I, I think we've talked to you since then. So like, what's new with you, man? Oh, uh, I have a kid now. I uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I saw that movie now after a show. It's definitely completed, and I'm really proud of it. I uh, just recorded a show for Comedy Central called This Is Not Happening with some stories. Oh, yeah, I've been yeah. doing some uh, tours with substance abuse and stuff, so it's pretty cool. Okay. How'd you get involved in that? Uh, well, I've been a recovering addict and alcoholic for years, so it's oh. just... Uh, I started doing just some rehabs and stuff and different shows there, and I've been doing uh, uh, quite a few of them. So I started telling a lot more honest and personal stories, and I just told one about uh, being arrested and sent to a mental hospital, and I did that on uh, this new Comedy Central, on a Comedy Central show called This Is Not Happening that's supposed to air this fall. Okay, yeah, it's Ari Shaffer's show. Uh, yeah, Ari Shamir produced it this year. The host is Roy Wood Jr. Oh, okay. Oh, that, that that sounds like like fun. Yeah, we have um a guy that's from here, Jay Armstrong, uh, also recovering addict, and he gets he doesn't seek out these shows, but people come to him all the time and say, "Hey, would you come to our benefit uh, for the, for such and such, and uh, you know, and do your set?" And he's happy to oblige. Had to fly to Seattle once for it, and scared the hell out of me. He'd never flown before. <laughs> Yeah, Jay's a, a really, uh, really, uh, he's a friend of mine and a really good dude and uh, talks a lot about recovery. Yeah, yeah, he's very funny. He's got a great story about um, being 18 and not being able to rent a, rent a car, but being able to rent a U-Haul truck. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, how old is, I, I, maybe, I think you had just had, uh, your, you have a son, right? Yeah, maybe the last time we spoke, you just had your East three now. Okay, that that sounds uh, more familiar. And are you based out in Los Angeles now? Or are you still in Michigan? Uh, what's? No, I'm still in Detroit. Uh, okay. We're staying. We're, I plan on staying there probably forever. At oh, this okay. point, I uh, I may move if I ever have to. But honestly, I I like where I'm at, and I like raising my son there. So it's I'm in no rush to move back to any coast you know like yeah. i'm actually on my way to new york right now to do the Artie and anthony show which is already laying in anthony cumia yeah yeah and i'm doing that tomorrow and i've become a regular on the anthony cumia show and now they just switched it over so this is my first appearance on that but i i go there about every i do i do it probably like once a month right now so like i i go into new york and l.a for reasons i have to and then right. i go back home yeah, well, at, and more and more guys are doing that. Um, our friend Josh Sneed, he lives here in Cincinnati because he not only is he a, a successful headlining comedian, he has a very successful T-shirt company here that he runs with his partner Darren, uh, Darren Oberholzer, his business partner. And um, so it's it's advantageous for him to actually stay here 
And if people want them, they know where to find them. And that's what, what and Gary Owen does the same thing here. So uh, yeah, I guess that's that's the trend. I guess with technology, you really don't have to live on the coast anymore. Yeah, that's how I am. You know, like I don't. I work with kind of a manager. We don't have anything signed down. If he gets me stuff, I pay him, and it's nice. And that's not in New York. And I don't have an agent. I don't. I don't really see any reason for any of that stuff anymore. So it's just nice running my own business and doing my own thing outside of it. Yeah, um, and I think we had this discussion maybe a long time ago when you were on. Um, uh, that you know, I grew up in Cleveland, suburban Cleveland, and uh, you know, a lot of people try to look their nose down at southeastern Michigan. Even people that live there, because whenever we would visit, people would say, "Oh no, this, it's beautiful up in the northern part." And we were, we'd be like, "It's fine here. This is just like where we're from in Pittsburgh and Cleveland." When my buddies would come up there, but um, yeah, right. southeastern Michigan's still very nice. And yes, it is beautiful in the northern part, but you know, nothing wrong with southeastern Michigan. You know, and a part that you know was wrong with any other place in the country. No, and I think people like Cleveland and, you know, everything, like, they kind of just, and Philly and everything, and Detroit, and they kind of crap on the whole Rust Belt. Right. And I think that that's some of the most real people in the country. I think that it's real families from real manufacturing towns and kind of what America once was. And, I and, and you know, and still is, but only in those places. Right. And I just, I find, like, Detroit to be a more humble place to live, and I just... I enjoy it more, you know. I just I, I'm more inspired there than I am anywhere else. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what part of Detroit did you grow up in? I, I can't remember. You've told me before, but <laughs> it... I grew up in. Uh, well, I was born in Detroit, and then um, I mainly grew up in Gross Point Woods. That's on right. The east side. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We um, when I was in high school, the the year I graduated, we um, ran into some girls at Cedar Point who are from Clarkson, up by where Pine Knob is. And uh, oh yeah, that was an excuse for a road trip. Well, a road. My buddies drove up from Pittsburgh. They collected me in Cleveland, and we proceeded on to uh, suburban Detroit and spent a couple of days up there. Um, yeah. Which, which yeah, I love that you called it Pine Knob too, because that is the correct. What's it now? The, the correct term was it the Verizon? DTE Energy. No, no. Yeah, DTE like that, but it's become DTE Energy Music no, Theater. It's like no. the worst one because it's the no, energy fuck, company. Fuck that. Uh, <laughs> people still call the baseball stadium in Cleveland Jacobs Field or the Jake, and um, I still and, uh, call it the Jake because I like whenever I used to do uh, the improv or like if I did hilarities in the summer I go to the Jake. There you go. Legendary field. Yeah. Yeah, I never call it whatever it is. Progressive, right? Yeah. Sorry, progressive field. What's supposed to be called? It's funny too because even our play-by-play guy. He'll call it progressive field, but he also his nickname is the the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. He always says, so it's kind of his way of getting right. around it. Yeah, which is so great. Yeah, that's such a legendary ballpark. It's just to call it that. It's you know, it, it's just. I I mean, I get the businesses after all. Like I get like people crap all over the Little Caesars Arena, but it's like. Sure. The guy made a billion dollars and named it what he wanted to name it, and it's yeah. called Little Caesars. That's, that's fine. Oh, it's just different yeah. when you buy Right, exactly. And then break it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, if you're footing the bill and then you have a company you want to promote, hey, knock yourself out. <laughs> that's, uh, right. that's where Wrigley Field came from. I mean, originally it was owned by the Wrigleys, and uh, and that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, when you do like the nonsense they did here, they just sold the name. You know, It, it worked out here in Cincinnati. 
It's called Great American Ballpark because the insurance company sponsors it. But at least that name sounds nice. It's not like whatever DTG Pavilion, whatever they call Pine Knob now. <laughs> right. I, I don't even mind, like, I don't mind Ford Field because Ford has that oh, yeah. city ring to it. Absolutely. So, like, I, I, yeah, I totally like that name, but, like, I, Comerica Park is a bank that left Detroit. <laughs> it's it basically, like, sponsored a field, still does, but there's no Comerica Parks where, we're, where we live. Huh. It's stupid. That's crazy. Um, so, what else are you involved in these days uh, when when you're not touring? I, looking after the family? Do you have other things going? Uh, I'm pretty much just looking after the family and touring right now. I'm always trying to work on new projects and stuff. I'm about to break down. I'm working on a script for a horror comedy that I might shoot uh, now that I, you know, I've completed the king and I accept it, and now I might just make a very, very low-budget indie that my friends who directed The King um, and I are starting to write. That's kind of what, what I'm looking to do next. But right now, it's kind of just nonstop touring, and uh, um, and that's it, you know, and just taking care of my son and raising my son, because that's just the, you know, the number one priority when I'm home right now. And, and, and uh, then I'm doing... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you said, and you're doing what else? Um, a little bit of touring with Brad Garrett because I, oh. I headlined his, because uh, I headlined the MGM at his place in Las Vegas, and oh. I'll actually be doing the uh, the Cleveland Roxino with him November fourth. Okay, so. we're going to be up there uh, this weekend actually at the Roxino. Uh, oh, right on. Just because we like it, uh, we're actually going up to see the Indians Friday. And then Adamant on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a 25th anniversary uh, trip because our actual anniversary is a month later. But it falls in the middle of the week, and I've got a big uh, business trip coming up right before that. So I figure, well, this is a good time to go. See the Indians, see Adamant, visit people in Cleveland. Uh, done. Yeah, Detroit is my uh, favorite team, but I, Indians has always been number two for me. Just I think specifically because my dad let me watch Major League in 1989. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but I've always yeah, been a fan of uh, the Indians. Yeah, just, I, I, yeah, that's a cool, nice weekend. Yeah, I've never been mad at any of the of the Detroit teams uh, either. It's weird because I like I like the city of Chicago, but I hate all their teams because they all compete against my favorite teams in every sport. Uh, except for the Bears, and the right. Bears, I you know they're fine. I'm not mad at them. I'm not. I'm not. I don't root for them. But um, yeah, it, it's it, it that's kind of funny. I felt badly for the Tigers last night. Uh, for those, by the time the podcast drops here, it's going to be Sunday. Um, but uh, the the Indians beat the Tigers 11 to nothing. I felt bad for the kid pitching because it was his first major league game. He got his first strikeout. They threw the ball into the dugout, and then he got pounded for like five or six runs. I'm like, oh geez, <laughs> that's not the way you want to win. But... Oh. Yeah, we've been rough here, yeah. man. I mean, the the best thing that I I just went to the Lions game on Sunday, so it was really nice to see them beat Arizona and come back the third and fourth. Yeah, really nice. So that at least we have we have a little bit of hope. I mean, nobody ever gets their hopes set too high for the Lions, but it was a really yep. nice start to the season. Oh yeah, I could get behind the Lions. The uh, still. Uh, the only two teams that have never been even been to the Super Bowl uh, that were in the league at the time of the merger would be Detroit and Cleveland. 
Yeah, exactly. And like uh, for me, Matthew Stafford saw me do a show, and he was nice enough to send my kid an autograph football. Oh my gosh! So I like, yeah, he's a really cool guy. So I have to like, I have like a personal stake in that I want them to win so bad with oh, yeah, the yeah. quarterback. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, they um played the Browns a couple of years ago, and uh, it was the end of the game, and he just got flattened. Uh, and got sacked. Uh, they were like on the ten yard line. He got sacked back to the twenty, and they completely flattened him. They take him off the field, so he had to leave for one play. And he was on the sidelines begging to go back in. They let him back in, and of course he threw a touchdown to his tight end to win the game. Like, well, you can't really be mad at that. That's pretty gutsy because he got crushed, and he came right back out and won the game for him. So, yeah, the stamina that football players have, and it's crazy when you think about it because they're all like kind of kids, you know? Yeah. That's true. You're still, yeah. You know, you're thrifty, you're ancient, and it's just kind yeah. of crazy to look at all these, like, you know, titans, if you will, and barbarians, and it's just, like, really just, they're 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, you know? Right, and they're gigantic. Uh, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so what else do you follow apart from sports? Uh, do, do you watch a lot of movies since, since you wrote one, or uh, any TV shows you've been Endlessly. Okay. Yeah, I, I I watch some TV. I don't watch as much. I I kind of uh, I, you know I watch South Park. My wife and I just watched Ozark. I don't know if you saw that. No. Uh, Ozark on Netflix with oh, okay. Jason oh. Bateman. Did. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, we need new shows. So, but yeah, yeah, I watch I watch a movie almost every night. I'd say after my kid goes to bed and my wife goes to bed. Oh, okay. And. Uh, mainly horror, so, you know, that's, uh, I try to see as many movies in the theater as possible, I don't see as many, I'm gonna go see it tomorrow, probably. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, I, I that's probably my, my main hobby, sadly, is watching movies. Well, yeah, but you know what, you're right in that, at that sweet spot of parenting where you do that a lot, because my wife mentioned to me, she's like, you know, we watched a lot of TV when our first, uh, our oldest was little. Because we really didn't go out much, and then a little bit when the second one came along, and then for a, a while we didn't, and now that the ones in college and the ones in junior high, and she's starting to you know do more things on her own, we're kind of getting back into watching shows again. So I'll have to de definitely check out Ozark because we have Netflix, so that's handy, and uh, we can get that. Oh, it's, it's fantastic! Yeah, it's it's really good, and Jason Bateman uh, directs it. I, I'm not sure if he writes it, but he, it's fantastic, man. It's one of the best series to come along and he makes a lot of quality work for the most he does. part yeah so. and the best thing on arrested development with him was how effortlessly because usually like i teach i teach uh, comedy to young people on the weekends and in the fall and spring and winter and uh, i always tell you know explain straight man joke man uh setup and i'm like and of course i can't recommend arrested development to them but justin bateman is really probably the best example of a straight man who is also hilariously funny in his reactions to all the chaos around him. Oh yeah, he's he's the quintessential fish out of water. Yes, except he adds a different layer to it where he's hilarious. Yeah, it's, yeah, precisely. It's, it's pretty amazing how he's able to do that. And, and really, this show is very much a dark, you know, thriller kind of show. But even though he is also sort of the fish out of water on this show, he he also supplies the comedy relief to take the edge off what you're watching and that's 
you know, he's always been pretty good at that, even in his movies that like The Gift and stuff like yeah. that that are really darker horror roles. Uh, so I know you, you know you 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 made the the one movie and you're you're thinking of doing another. Would you fancy doing some kind of episodic scripted show like that for a, a Netflix or a Hulu, or are you still more of a movie guy? Um, if I ever had the opportunity where I could, I certainly will. I definitely have had. Uh, you know, I wrote a few, I pitched a few, where I had some ideas. Uh, one was a horror show, kind of in the vein of Twilight Zone, where oh, nice. it would have a new director and writer every week. Like, let's say you wanted Jason Bateman to write and direct an episode or, uh, I don't know, Rob Zombie or Stephen King or whatever. Yeah. You know, you just have these huge names that would direct and write an episode, have 12 episodes in a row. It's a horror show, maybe sort of in the vein of Tales from the Crypt. and, and that. But each one would be substantially different based on who did it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, yeah, I like it. I mean, I have a copywritten, you know, so it's like, I, I, it just sucks because it's very hard to pitch anything without somebody instantly attached. Like Hollywood yeah. does not want to, it, it doesn't want to break you anymore. So you're basically not going to get anything through unless you have somebody ready to do one. And even then you need to have two or three people because it's, right. it's episodic. Yeah. And then it's kind of that kind of stuff happens, kind of behind the scenes. You just happen to know somebody, or maybe you wound up featuring for some guy, and and then maybe he gets interested, or, or vice versa. It's just really weird how that kind of stuff happens now. They're even talking about that on Pardo's uh, podcast. You know, he used to fancy himself a game show host, not so much anymore. But now to be a game show host, you've got to be like Michael Strahan or these other people that really aren't game show hosts or Jane Lynch, and who's fine. I'm not mad at Jane Lynch, but. Gosh, I think Pardo would be much better in that family game night thing, or somebody that's actually, you know, kind of comes from that background. Oh, yeah, you have Steve Harvey, who, you know, he's a game show host now, a family feud with, yeah. you know, 10 years ago with L from Home Improvement. Yeah. And, and now you have Harvey just like, what? You're crazy every time a white guy answers a question. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. It's now becoming these A A plus celebrities who are doing that job now. Even on very rinky dink like game show network shows that you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah. And um, and growing up in the seventies and the sixties, it was uh, game show host. Sometimes came from radio, or they just started doing game shows. They uh, that was it. You know, uh, Bill Cullen and. Uh, and people like that, and Jack, uh, well, not Jack Carter, he was actually a comedian, the guy that hosted Joker's Wild, I can't remember his name now, um, and Bob oh, Eubanks. Well, and even Pat Sajak, I believe, was a stand-up comic, and then he got into that. Oh, that's and right, yeah. Wheel of Fortune, and he's never come back. Yeah, well, there you go, that's, get that sweet Wheel of Fortune money, man, and that's... <laughs> that's... Oh, yeah, I'd never come back either. Oh, I no, no. Think, yeah, the greatest job ever. Yeah, that's a, because those could, those things can go on forever. It's not like around season five, people are going, eh, people are tired of this. People still eat up their Wheel of Fortune and, uh, and they're, uh, and they're, Jeopardy. yeah. Those Merv, those Merv Griffin shows that were created a thousand years ago that have somehow stood the test of time are just still in the same spot as they were, you know, almost the day I was yeah, and then, I mean, it's good to see, when I saw that, that the, the new $25,000 pyramid, it was, uh, who was, it was Snoop Dogg and somebody else, and I thought, it was, I think it might, it was Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, I'm like, 
Is this a Saturday Night Live sketch? Oh no, this is actually a real thing. <laughs> I'm like, okay. This is... Before it was Jasmine, which made sense. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Dick Clark originally, I believe. Yeah, oh yeah. The best thing used to be uh, with watching the old $25,000 pyramid was when he would come over, especially after the final pyramid, and say, uh, a dog, uh... A uh, something, and he tried to describe all these things to help them get it. Like he was so, like he had had better clues than they did. After he calmly watched it from the sidelines, he'd come over. Oh yeah, you used to love that. That that and the time Shatner played against himself for charity. Well, can you imagine Snoop Dogg describing something to you? Oh, that's got to be on YouTube somewhere. I know because it was just on. I think it was last summer. He was uh, a contestant, and I was just like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) I think he did okay, shockingly. Did he do all right? Yeah, I yeah, I think he did all right. Because I was shocked. Okay. Yeah, so you have to check that out, man. Um, well, uh, I, I think that's a good place to leave it. i got to run back into my day job. But um, as always, this will be in print in City Pages uh, the week you're there up in Minneapolis. And then um, uh, the podcast will drop on maybe this Sunday or next, uh, one of the two. Cool. Uh, and yeah, and um, yeah, and hopefully we'll see you down here in Cincinnati again sometime soon. I think it's been a while since you've been here. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I need to get back. It's been yeah. a, it, it has been a minute. I will. Uh, I'll. I'll put. Uh, I'll. I'll pass along. Your, although I'm sure he has it to the guy that books Go Bananas, and uh, see if we can get that sorted. Yeah, I need to get there. I. I, I definitely want to get back with Mike, and I, I heard he was interested. I just never. I never okay. know. I. You know, so I definitely want to go back. Sounds good. When I get back in, I'll. I'll shoot him a, a, a facing book message, as Pardo would say. And, uh, well, great, man. Have fun up in Minneapolis. Go Lions. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, yeah. Have a good weekend. All right, thanks, Dave. Bye-bye. All right, man. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again to Dave Landau for being on the show. You can catch Dave Landau September 22nd through the 25th at the Motor City Comedy Festival. It looks like it's at various locations around the city. But he is going to uh, feature for Jim Brewer at the Motor City Casino on that Friday, which is September 22nd. Then he is at the Joke Joint. I almost said Minneapolis. The Joke Joint is actually in St. Paul. He's in the at the Joke Joint in St. Paul. Uh, September 28th through the 30th. All right, and if you need any more Dave Landau information, well, you can just go to davelandau.com, and there I'm sure you can get uh, find out how to order his DVD, The King. It's a movie he made a couple of years ago. A nice coming-of-age story about buying his first car and getting in all kinds of trouble uh, with his friends and so forth. Uh, so do check that out as well. Song of the Week is from London Grammar. A little different than what we've been playing recently. Uh, I would say this is more kind of in your M.O.R. sort of vein. Kind of, I guess, AAA is what we call it now here in America. Uh, album Adult Alternative. And uh, it's very nice, very kind of soulful. And uh, it's growing on me. I, I liked it at first. I really like it the more I'm listening to it. And the song's called Non-Believer. It is our Song of the Week on PS Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening.